This is the Capness HR Podcast, and we want you to be great every day. Join us as we transform the human resources outsourcing industry while we talk to small business owners, founders, and people in tech, startup, and HR spaces. Now, please welcome your host, Jason Capness. Hello, and welcome to Cabinet HR Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Cabinet. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com. Well, today is Vincent Edwards. Vincent, are you ready to be great today? I'm definitely ready to be great today and every day. Vincent is a CEO of Empire Builders. Which has been a, which is a consulting business for eight years. Miss Edwards has a diverse background that includes eleven years with Parker and Gamble and years of financial experience in loans, financing, capital investments, loan negotiations, HR, and more. He has helped he has helped businesses raise millions from investors and debt financing. He loves working with businesses and helping them conquer the challenges they incur. His top skill is problem solving. He has consulted well over one hundred companies from various industries and business sizes. His current vehicle to help startups and entrepreneurs is about to dis- is about to disrupt the startup community and ecosystem. He has a proud alumnus of the University of Kentucky. He loves coffee, bourbon, cigars, living life to the fullest, and is deathly allergic to failure. Vincent, thank you for being here today. I really appreciate it. I appreciate being here. So, Vincent, what's keeping you busy right now? What's your focus on? Uh, as usual, working with clients, raising capital, as well as helping them structure and do all the things it takes to be successful. Uh, as far as startups and entrepreneurs. So that's that's really taking up a lot of my time and efforts these days. Vincent, so how did your time at, at large corporations, how is that helping you now when you talk to small business? Well, you know, I spent, like say, 10 to 11 years with uh, Procter & Gamble. What that did was it was like a million-dollar education because it, it teaches you about systems and processes and how to replicate those systems and processes and then how to bring those down so the small business owners can learn how to use those same techniques and principles as they grow their businesses and also get themselves ready for true success. So, Vincent, when, um, when startup founders get ready to raise, raise money, raise funds, what do you see them consistently doing wrong over and over again? What are they not? What are they not? What are they not getting right about the process? Pretty much everything for most of them. Ninety percent. Well, you know, it's not their fault. It's a new language. It's a new. It's like walking into a new world or visiting a new country. It's a whole new level of jargon. There's a whole different level of matrices. All startups and entrepreneurs are usually great at the product or service they provide. That's what they know. I mean, if you're, you know, no matter what, if you're an engineer, you're great at being an engineer. If you're an attorney, you're great at being an attorney. But sometimes when you get start dealing with business and raising capital, you're coming into a new landscape. You know, doctors are great at saving lives. They're terrible at running finances and money. So it's the same thing for most startups and entrepreneurs. They just have to do their research and understand how the game's played and try to figure out how not to waste a lot of time and money Going after the, going to the wrong sources, trying to get trying to get this capital that they need. But it's like uh, most of VCs are in San Francisco, New York. What do you advise we have for a start funder? We'll say like um, Wichita, Kansas. How would you advise them to go get um, seed funding or venture capital money? First, I tell them to, to you know go through the normal process of friends, family, associates, people that know them that may believe in a dream, quick and be willing to take a chance on them to help them get started. Uh, and exhaust those first. Next, I would go local. Almost most communities have some kind of local money available, either in the state, in that city, local angel groups. So I would, I would start off local also 
and and then start to branch out if you know whether they have success with that or not then hit west coast and east coast Silicon valley new york and understand the challenges that when you hit those arenas it's the big leagues and you're playing you know you're just another starlet to get off the bus you know and they come every day so you have to understand that when you start going after bigger money and bigger fish when do you tell a starter how to actually go start fundraising? Should they have like a certain amount of traction? How do it, does that work? It really depends on what it's going to take for them to get their business started. Some businesses doesn't don't take a lot of capital to get started. I would advise those folks to to use their own resources. Again, use fr- family and friends, and to don't quit their day job if they can kind of start it part time and get as far as they can. You know, sometimes your current job can fund the revolution, as I call it. So you have to use and 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 be willing to put out not just time and energy, but also your own money to try to get started. Secondly, if you have an idea. If you're in biomed or biotech or healthcare and you know you're trying to solve cancer, you you obviously don't have the money to even go that route. I would I would get with the right consultant or folks to help help you build up a solid pitch deck, a plan, also to start looking at putting together, you know, serious documents, serious uh, research in those arenas so that you know you gotta go get money, but you wanna go well prepared because when you meet with potential investors, you usually get one shot and not a, and in a very quick time frame to sell yourself. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize that these are venture capitalists, they're getting literally probably thousands of emails a day, all these meetings, and it's a lot of time is very limited, you know. And you know, they have a family too, they have a life too, so it's Oh yeah. And you know the, the statistics, VCs only only actually fund 0.5% of startup seeking funds, 0.5%, not even 1%. So, you know, when you start looking at these big venture capitalists, they're, they're the last bastion. They, you know, when you get there now, you have to check all the boxes in the matrix, traction, momentum, the right team, the right idea. Uh, they might want IP. And, and nowadays, even in the Valley, they want revenue. And New York's all about revenue. If you go to New York, everybody wants to see what, well, how much money you made, how much money you made. So, Vincent, when a company comes to you and wants you to advise them, what makes makes you say yes and what makes you say no to advising a company? You know, it's funny. It's a great question you ask because, you know, what I've learned over the years is I, is I love working with startups and entrepreneurs, but I look for the right fit. I want a high success ratio for my clients and I want to be able to help them. So I have a committee with my company that we usually, you know, we take every application that kind of comes in and see if it's the right fit. See if, if they have, you know, what it takes to get to the next level. If we feel like if we can bring value to their proposition, you know, I don't want someone, I don't just sign up, you know, someone now because I, I want to check and I can, you know, I, I, I can do a couple of doctors for them. Because we, we become true partners. We want to become equity partners with our clients. So we want to be able to build a true partnership that we can help them get to the next level and we both succeed together. Vincent, so you know it's out there. If you start a company, don't quit. Go lead in the long haul. Do all you can. But when would you tell a startup founder, you know what? This isn't working. You can't validate the, you can't validate your idea. It's not working for you. You need to quit and, and pivot to something else. You know, I know, I don't like being a dream buster. But usually when it comes to that point, that person will realize the dream has been busted. You know, it's it's a fine line because you're going to have to to be successful. You're going to get to that point at some point. And sometimes founders quit right before the, the, the dawn, right before the sun comes up. So, you know, you want to be a little worried about telling someone to, to jump out and quit when 
right around the corner might be success. But if it's taking a physical, emotional toll on you and your family, if now people in your family and you are having to make unreasonable sacrifices to keep this thing going, when you're to the point of a breaking point where your life is just, you know, this is not, not only is it not fun, but you're losing, you're losing things out of life. That's the point you have to to pivot and decide, okay, this is not working. Maybe it was the wrong timing. Maybe I couldn't get the funding. But when it starts to affect you, your mental, your health, your well-being, your family, your kids, to the point where everybody's pretty much had enough, you have to really take a, take a, a good look in the mirror and, and decide, okay, it's time to punt. It's time to go back. Maybe I have to figure out another way, and maybe I'll get another chance in my dream. Vincent, I understand you also have expertise in, in job search, correct? Yes, sir. So, Vincent, for all the people graduating college right now or people looking for a new, for a new job, what advice would you have for them? And my, my advice is, is, is very clear. Have realistic expectations, especially to millennials graduating college. You know, right now, because, you know, you guys have come up, or those guys have come up in a very unique era where, where they see all these opportunities and everything's online and everybody's a baller, everybody's doing this, everybody's starting their own companies, they're coding, they're doing, you know, be realistic. You, you know, a lot of folks now graduating college think, well, maybe I'll work one to two years and then I'll be a CEO. Maybe you might have to work five or 10 years before you're a CEO. Just be realistic, learn, learn. You, you have so many folks coming out now have unbelievable potential and knowledge but they haven't, don't have the experience and know how to truly execute in the real world. Until you know how to bring that potential to full tilt and be able to execute it and, and show pro- productivity and success in the real world applications, you're not quite ready to run, to run the universe. So just understand that. For other people who've been out of work or trying to find new, new jobs, be willing to retrain, learn different skill sets, figure out your passion, you know, People who find things they like doing are more apt to learn that and become really good at it. So figure out the right avenue for you to get back in the job scene the right way and find the right job for you, which will be the right career for you. Vince, it's like lately, there's a big disconnect. It's like those companies are saying, well, we can't find any talented, skilled workers. And the workers are probably like, no, we're here, you know, but, you know, there's just a disconnect. How do we fix that? From a from employer standpoint, because of the gatekeepers and technology, and they're, they're able to sift through these resumes without even reading them and looking at them, the re- employer's got to have a realistic expectation on the job. They've got these job descriptions where if you can do everything on that job description, why would I need to work for you? I should be president of the United States or something if I can fulfill all these new requirements you're asking me to fulfill just to get an entry-level position. So. Employers have to be reasonable also based off of, you know, no one's going to come in and know that job 100% other than very specific niche jobs. You still got to train them. You're looking for potential. Be willing to talk and actually interview more people as an employer. Part of the reason now is employers are down to they don't want to do more than three interviews. I mean, back in the day, they do 20, 50, but they've scaled back their HR departments. So they're trying to cut it down that they only meet two or three people. Well, how do you know if that was the two, three best people out there for that job? As far as people that's been out of work, you got to get some retraining, learn some new skills. I mean, there's industries. The mortgage industry lost tons of talented people, construction, manufacturing, you know, any kind of labor work. 
if you're on the sidelines, look, look, you know, and you're looking, you know, outside looking in, you got to figure out where you can get in and figure out what skills you have and what you can do. So, because there are, it is a, I mean, right now the problem is we don't have enough skilled labor. So you have to figure out how to get the right skill based off your age, your temperament, and what you can afford to do. And it's not necessarily college. And many times there's a lot of trade skills that are just not getting filled and people not wanting to do the unglamorous jobs of HVAC and plumbing and being a bricklayer that's, that pays great money and we can't find enough people to do those at work. So that means a good point. I remember seeing a Facebook meme a while ago where it was like a, a college student graduated from college with like a degree in liberal arts, like $100,000 in debt. And another guy was like um, a, a laborer, right? Making 60000 a year with no debt. It was like, who, which one's a dumb one, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, most baristas have, you know, most of the guys serving you your coffee usually have a degree, believe it or not. Yeah. <laughs> For $9 an hour. So, yes, the, you have to figure out how to, you know, get the right education to get you where you want to go so you can earn a decent living to raise you, you know, have a good life and, and, and be able to take care of the family. Yes. You made a good point. I think a lot of employers are like waiting for the 100% perfect fit. And this yes. is never going to happen. So this position is going empty, going empty. Probably other people are doing part of it, which is take away from their own job. But so many people are like, well, I want 100%. Well, what's wrong with the 80% and train them up? I, I, just exactly. I mean, the diamonds in the rough. You know, when I look at startups, that's what I look for. I love clients that I see a great idea. I see a passionate entrepreneur. But they may have pitched at a pitch that was horrendous because they just didn't know how to do their pitch deck. I like diamonds in the rough. I want to find the Tom Brady's of the world. I want to. I want to find that gangly teenager turning into a supermodel. You know, I, I, I like you know turn, turning that you know that ugly duckling into a swan. I mean, take that diamond in the rough and, and, and shine it up, baby. It, it shines just as bright as any other diamond. Yes, it does. Vince and next, can you talk about the time you were success in the past? What you learned from the success and what we can learn from this? You know, one thing I've learned, every job I've ever had, I've been promoted on. I at least got a, one promotion. Every job, actual, actual job I ever had, other than running my own companies. And so, you know, what I've learned over time is, you know, whether you even like what you do, do it to the best of your ability and be persistent and just put in the work. It will pay off someplace, sometime. I mean, I have actually, you know, I know people and companies, and I've even done it myself, hire baristas that they saw their work ethic and how much, how much, you know, uh, attention to detail and how much, you know, passion they put in their jobs, even though the job was a menial job and got plucked for big, bigger, bigger opportunities. You know, if you get an opportunity, you have to take it. You have to be willing to do what it takes to make those opportunities. So, so put in the work, be persistent. You know, it's not always going to be glamorous, but you'll get your day and your time to shine. You just got to figure out when your 15 minutes of fame are going to come. But if you learn a trade and got good at it, if you if you showed good work ethic, when that time comes, you'll be able to capitalize on it because you won't be at home in bed sleep. You've been out there doing things. You know how to make things happen. Yeah, I think people forget sometimes that they're always on and you never know who's watching, you know. You never know who's watching. Break, you know, I, I noticed a story one day where, this lady who goes, I think, Taco Bell every day, and she was always so impressed by the person there, she offered a job to be her assistant. I yeah. Mean, stuff like that happens all the time. All the time. This next, talk about a time you failed in the past, where we can learn from this, and what you learned from this. You know, uh, you know, one of the things that, that, that I've learned from many failures, and, you know, I say many failures because we fail every other day at something sometimes, is 
to take take a step back and analyze what happened and be be legitimate in your analysis. Be open minded to get constructive criticism. And even sometimes be open-minded to your haters, to the people who just criticize you because they don't like you. I mean, take it, you know, with a grain of salt, but always look to improve and learn from the times that, that you failed. You know, when I came through the, the big mortgage thing, I was doing, uh, I had a, my own mortgage company. I was doing great. All of a sudden, we had the big big downturn 2008, 2009. And, you know, I hung in there for quite a while. I was doing commercial, then commercial crashed also. But, you know, one of the things I learned is you have to be flexible and take those same skills and, and use them for other things. So even though the, because of the economy and because money dried up, I couldn't do one aspect of what I was good at. What I did was say, hey, you know, I went back and I became a, a, a trusted advisor for those commercial clients because I'd helped them out in other arenas. They start hiring me the other stuff. That's how I got into consulting. So all of a sudden I became the renegotiation king. So all these, these these people with money and great credit, these banks were calling their loans in on them just because they, they the paper wasn't clean. They didn't do all the back-end work. They didn't do the credit checks. They didn't have a clean file. I went in, helped them refinance those loans, get a clean clean file on those people. It was a common-sense approach, and all of a sudden, I was flipping loans left and right. So I took a bad situation, and I adjusted and started doing some positives with it. I saved a bunch of people's houses with the HAMP program because I did loan mods and I was able to go in and use that program to help these people say, say, you know, so I took the skills I had in credit and loans and I started using that to help the people who were struggling with those same situations. And so I kind of flipped the script because I had the skills. And so it, it was a good living and it was also a good, a good time that led me into what I do now, which is business consulting. Listen, can you talk about someone who helped, helped you in the past and how they helped you? And, you know, I've been, I mean, you know, it takes a village. And, uh, you know, uh, I recently went to a friend of mine I worked with at Procter Gamble. His son died recently from diabetes. And, you know, it reminded me of when I worked with this guy years ago. And he was one of my first mentors. And I'll tell you a quick little story. We were working on a project at Procter Gamble, and we were there, and it was me, him, and about three other gentlemen on his team. And, the three other gentlemen, we would be working and we, we'd set, we're going to do all this work. These other gentlemen would leave work early. And I'm like, well, why aren't they staying late like us to get this work done? And he goes, don't worry about that. You need to worry about your job and what you're, what you're supposed to do. And that's what you need to be careful. And I, and I was, I was jealous. I was frustrated because these guys wasn't putting in the same effort. But they were going to get, you know, the same pay, the same credit. And so long story short, we got the project done. Everybody got a little credit, obviously, but one of those guys got, got fired because he had, they realized he wasn't doing his part of the job. And, and it, was, it was a lesson I learned very early on is character is what you do when someone's not looking. And, you know, when you have something to do, you do it regardless. And that was one of the things that first started teaching me self-discipline. And, and it, it's really translated as I own my own companies is that, you know, it doesn't matter if somebody's watching or not. You know what you have to do and you do it. And so, you know, that guy was a great mentor to me and, and he helped me see a lot of things as a young person in his first professional job. He helped me learn some good discipline and techniques so I could be successful as far as showing up to work on time and doing what I was supposed to do. Listen, next 
tell us something about yourself. Most people people don't know, like your close friends, close family knows, but people that deal with you day to day know don't know this about you. Well, I, I got a couple of things. People, it, you know, it's a small group that do know, but there's it, it seems to be growing now because my friends like to tell stories on me. I, I you know, DJ in college. Uh, a lot of people don't know that that don't know now. I uh, in my lifetime, there's a couple of different things I've done. I I used to be a workout fanatic. I've been pressed 500 pounds before. I've leg pressed 2,000 pounds before. I had a recent injury, so I'm trying to get back, but to some of these crazy, crazy things. Let's see, what else is it? Everybody does know I'm, I'm hooked on coffee. I'm a Starbucks fanatic, so everybody knows. I'm, I'm the same way. All right, calls, calls me. You want to get some of that crack from Starbucks again? <laughs> so they, they know, the, people do know that part about me, but the DJ piece, oh, and, and my DJ handle is still a nickname that I carry to this day, Big Sexy. So a lot of people <laughs> do not know that my nickname is Big Sexy, but all my friends know that. So if I hear that somebody say sexy or Big Sexy, I know where they know me from. Miss, I understand you have a book or two to recommend for our listeners. I got a couple. Uh, that One book, too, I think is a great book. It's a classic. Alan Wise, the, the million, do- million Dollar Consultant. I think it's a great book. If you're ever looking to start your own company, if you're ever looking to be a freelancer, go out on your own, it is just, I mean, he's up to his fifth or sixth edition of it now, but it is just a truly great read that can help you if you're ever looking to run your own company or, or do your own thing. The, the other book I'm going to recommend is called The Lean Startup by Eric Rise. It's really transitional to lean manufacturing, lean everything. It's just about a process of how to do something, you know, economically and make improvements as you go along without spending a lot of money or being very efficient in your time and your energy. So I, I recommend a, one of the new wave books, The Lean Startup, and the old book, uh, Alan Wise, Million Dollar Consultant, which is just a, a true classic. Listen, I also understand you have something for our listeners. One of your lucky listeners. Listeners, I like to give them a fifth of that bullet bourbon that I, that I like to drink. Uh, I know the owner and founder or former owner, he sold out, but he's still a heavy, uh, you know, still a heavy stockholder, Tom Bullet. He's a friend of mine. So he, he kind of keeps me in bullet bourbon. So uh, I got a fifth of bullet bourbon for one of your listeners. Thank you. Now, that is very valuable indeed. Vincent, can you give us your social media handles for yourself or your company so people can reach out to you? You can go to my website at www.ebuilders.us. It's ebuilders17 on Facebook, ebuilders17 on IG. And so that's, we're not currently on Twitter, not big on tweeting as much, but uh, as I like to talk too much and 140 characters don't do me justice. Uh, so, but, but yeah, you can come there to either one of those places, learn more about what we do, how we do it. You know, it takes a, it takes a, it takes a warrior to build an empire. We help build build empires with our with our warriors, so they can come join the warrior nation if they're looking to do a startup or be an entrepreneur. And uh, we'll we'll make sure they get there. We'll fight fight through the battles right there with them. And for our listeners, the links to his book recommendations and his and his social media will be on our show notes. And our show notes are at www.cabinetshrblog.com. Vincent, we're coming to the end of our talk. Can you provide any last minute advice or wisdom on any subject you want to talk about? Sure. Um, my last minute comments will kind of go to what, you know, obviously my passion and focus is now, which is startups and entrepreneurs. But, you know, dare to be great. You know, as I, as I said, you know, you may be a boss, you may be an owner, but do you have an empire? We can help you build an empire and, and stop building somebody else's dream. Let's build yours. You know, at the end of the day, 
you really want to get to that next level, let us help you build your dream because otherwise you're going to be building somebody else's. Vincent, that's great advice. Vincent, thank you for your time today. I know you're a busy person doing a lot of great things. So thank you very much. Thank you, Jason. It's great talking. And to, to our listeners, thank you for your time as well. Remember to be great every day. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Kavnis HR. For more exclusive content, as well as your free copy of HR Laws, be sure to visit KavnisHR.com or connect with us on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and Facebook at Kavnis HR. Thanks again, and be great every day.